Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Sights and Sounds, a podcast on the Students Pit Network where we discuss entertainment from movies all the way to music. Just before we get started, I want to remind you guys that the Student Spin Podcast is a sister media to the Six Mile Post newspaper here at Georgia Highlands College in Rome, Georgia. The views in this podcast do not represent those in the Six Mile Post or Georgia Highlands College. I'm here with my co-host, Ahmad. How are you doing today, Ahmad? I'm doing great. How are you today, Kyle? I am doing pretty good, pretty good. Can't complain. It's a beautiful Thursday here for our GHC listeners. And I want to introduce someone very special to us today, our special guest, Professor Jacob Sullins. How are you doing today, Professor Sullins? I'm wonderful, and it is wonderful to be with y'all. We're glad to have you. We're super glad to have you. Uh, Ahmad, why don't you go ahead and ask our guest the first question? All right. Uh, So go ahead and uh, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do at GHC, and what what are we going to be talking about today? I am a professor of English. I've been at the college since 2007, and this is my first year as the faculty advisor for the student literary magazine, which is called the Old Red Kimono. All right, so so you're a professor, a faculty advisor, you're all of these good things, but let's take it back to a young Sullins, if you will, that's first starting college and is like, wow, I'm going to go be a teacher. What made you want to do that? What made you decide professoring, professoring, not even the right word, being a professor is my passion? It was really my experience in, in graduate school. My master's degree is from Ole Miss, from the University of Mississippi. And as part of my funding there, I was a graduate assistant, teaching assistant in uh, several classes. Uh, the, the entire time I was at Mississippi, I'd never taught, I'd never thought about teaching before that. And it was really that experience, both I got a sense of like the grading load and the workload, but I also got a sense of how rewarding it was to interact with students and help students and connect with students as they were taking their journey through education. I can definitely agree with that. Like, I, like I'm going to school to be a secondary education major, which is like somebody who teaches eighth through 12th grade for those of you listening that don't know what that means. And I taught theater camps over the summer for like six or seven years and realized that was something I wanted to do. And then I started teaching in like a preschool and all these other things. And it, it it's really amazing to see the work that other people do and how you can help them grow as a person from an educational aspect. So I think that's really cool that you said that. I, I think I'm very much on the same page. I just, I enjoy being in graduate school, but I also enjoyed seeing people who were, you know, a few years behind me as they were discovering, you know, you're sort of in the space between high school and the adult world that you're about to enter or su- supposedly learning how to enter. Exactly. It, it's something that you feel like if you can prepare somebody in some sort of way, you feel like an accomplishment yourself. Absolutely. So what led you to Highlands? I, um, after I finished at Mississippi, I started my PhD uh, at Georgia State. I was working full-time on my PhD at Georgia State, um, and I was a graduate instructor there. And then I was offered through some connection, through some like professional connections that I had, a part-time teaching job at Highlands um, over the summer and then that next fall. And then I was offered a uh, that first year uh, and then got on tenure track the next year. And that first year was sort of a temporary situation where 
it was one year and then I was going to decide if I liked teaching full time and the college was going to decide if they liked having me. And luckily at the end of that year, we both decided we liked each other and I've been here ever since. I want you to know that I think, I think it's really interesting that you've been here for that long because when I took your class, I was like, oh, he has to be new. But then I looked back at it and I realized I've been trying to take this class with you, African-American literature for four years. Like, so, um, <laughs> Because, well, because every time you offered it, I was like, I used to be like this little like whiny kid that was like, I'm not driving 45 minutes away for a class. Um, and then you happened to teach it on Cartersville this semester. So I was very thankful for that. That is nice to hear. Yeah. Um, like, like it's one of my last classes too, before I'm out the door and graduating here. So it's really awesome to like, like not to like brag about you on your own interview, but you're like, I could literally be laying in bed and be like, oh, no, I'm not going to class today. But I remember that I have your class and I'm like, wow, um, I could really miss the chance to learn about something new today. And you like like you provide an excitement in class that even though I might not necessarily show it, it, it means a lot for what you do. So it's really exciting to hear you talk about all the things that have led you to being a professor here at GHC. I, we only, and when you're in face-to-face -face classes, you only get to be together for two and a half hours. And so I try to bring as much energy as I can. I, I enjoy the energy of the week. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Speaking of wonderful things, Ahmad mentioned that, and you also mentioned that you're the faculty advisor for the Old Red Kimono. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Old Red Kimono is? I can. It is the college's literary magazine. The college has had a literary magazine since the 1970s. It goes all the way back to um, the college's first creative writing professor and creative writing class. That first professor was Ken Anderson. He was the first person at the college, the first English professor who taught creative writing. And the magazine is actually named for the first uh, poem that they read in that class, which was a haiku um, about an old red kimono. Um, you see it in the, in the table of contents every year in the book, but th that's how the magazine got its name. It's been here, like I said, for 40 plus years now. Um, it has had several different faculty advisors uh, since uh, Ken Anderson, most recently Dr. Nancy Applegate, um, and she decided at the end of last year that, that she had sort of done her time with it. And I hope that doesn't sound negative because I certainly don't mean it that way. But she had given, she did a lot for the magazine, including making it, I think, as student-centered and as student-focused as it's ever been. She worked really hard to make it a part of student life uh, in a way that I hope I can replicate, but we will see. Uh, at the end of the spring, um, she decided that she was done, uh, and our department chair asked uh, if people were interested in taking it over, and, and I was interested in it. Uh, I've always, my PhD work is in creative writing, uh, and so that's in my area of expertise, but, and so hopefully I can just build on the good foundation that she's had for the past decade, basically. Amazing, amazing. And then I, I guess my next question would be, you know, since it's a literary magazine, what all can we expect from the Old Red Kimono? Like, what do you, what, what, what type of literary works can we expect to see? And are there like graphics? Are there like, are there photos? Like, what, what does this consist of? The Kimono, like most literary magazines, is a combination of art and literature. Um, the, the literature in the magazine has traditionally all been 
student and faculty, mostly student. There is a student art editor um, who we pull from one of the art classes and who helps us decide what art to use, whether it's photography, drawing. Um, we've had a lot of different visual mediums over the years. Um, the art editor usually helps us decide on the front and back cover, the cover art, um, whether it's two different images or like a wraparound image that, that goes from the back to the front. Um, and then in terms of the writing, it is usually a mixture of poetry and short stories. We will do an occasional essay. Um, the editor this year, uh, whose name is April Cole, uh, would like to would like for us to include an interview this year too. You will see a lot of magazines include interviews with writers. Um, we're going to try to get one of those in if we are if we can find somebody that we feel is appropriate for the magazine. So it is a mix of different kinds of visual art um, and then mostly short stories and poetry. So I had been looking through uh, some of the older editions and I saw in one of them that uh, it had people's like locations listed and it wasn't just people like internally from the school. So when, when did that sort of change, I guess, like how, how did it have the like outreach to have people from like all over? Especially in the early, the first, I was about to say the early years, but it's really the first 20 or 30 years of the magazine. It was roughly 50, 50, maybe 60, 40 student work and then outside work. Um, but that is in part because you're reaching back to the time period before social media and really before the internet was such a big part of people's lives and, and of magazines, literary and otherwise. And so you're going back to the days when people would submit stuff, you know, in an envelope, like you'd send in the old days, really before about the past 15 or 20 years, you would send things away in an envelope and wait, you know, three months, four months, to hear back from some magazine. In, the, in those old days, the magazine really was about 50-50 student work, outside work. One of the things Dr. Applegate did, like I was talking about, is make it, is shift that balance so that it was more student work. And, as, and I think we are going to sh probably try to slowly shift back. Um, we're going to still be primary, the majority will be student work, but we're going to try to go back and pull in some more outside work. Partly that's because we're going to continue doing the print edition, but also have the magazine has never really had an online existence. And we're going to try to create that um, to give it a side by side hard copy and online existence. Okay. So then how and when do people submit their work? And then when is the magazine published? Students can submit work anytime. They can submit it to me. There is a uh, Gmail address that they, they can submit it to me, which is jsellens at highlands.edu. They can submit it. There's an Old Red Kimono email address, which is kimonooldred at gmail.com. We also uh, pull from all the creative writing classes that are taught on all the different campuses. That's one of the ways that we get work from all different campuses. So students that are in those classes can submit work but very often the faculty, the professors that are teaching those classes um, submit at least a few things to us too. But we are happy, I and the student editor, April, are happy to get anything from any student. You're saying you have a student editor. Are there other positions? Like what, how, how can people get more involved? We have, in the past, we have had multiple student editors and we do still need an art editor. Um, I am working with one of the art professors on that. Um, but in the past, we've had, a number of student edit editorial assistants to the point that 
you'd have three or four, the editor and two or three other students who were deciding what to publish and what should go where in the layout of the magazine and things like that. So we're always, um, anyone who wants to participate and be a part of both the process of picking what goes in the magazine and the process, the more sort of design side of it, the laying out and publishing, we're happy to have any, any student that wants to be involved with it, involved with it. So my last question I would have for you personally is what impact would you say this opportunity with the old red kimono has had on you? That it's had on me or? Yeah, you personally, like what, like, what do you expect yourself to be able to do with the outreach of this literary magazine? That is a really good question. And it is sort of unique to my past few years at the college because I was a member of the I have not been able to be involved in student-specific work like this because I was active on the faculty senate for a couple of years, and then I was in a half administrative, half faculty role because where I was the English coordinator um, and, and helped handle the English scheduling for a couple of years. And then a couple of years ago, the college reorganized the departments, did away with the English coordinator position, and that allowed me to go back to teaching full time. That that's really what I've done for the past two years. It sort of unfortunately coincided with the pan, the beginning of the pandemic. This is a really exciting moment for me because I am free of my administrative duties, and hopefully the pandemic is we're on the backside of the pandemic. And so it feels really exciting to me to be both able to be physically back in the classroom, interacting with students, which is one of my favorite parts of the job. And then to be taking that a step further and advising this student organization and interacting with, with students in this creative way as they are like working their way through this creative process of both submitting work, reading the work, publishing the work. So it's really exciting for me. So I, I have one last question and it's it's kind of a, a, a broad, like bigger question, I guess. But like why like why do you think the magazine is important to the school? overall like why do you think it's important that people are reading poetry and fiction and people's short stories and seeing all this art and stuff we live in a world that has so many artistic and entertainment alternatives like there's so much in your face now and it's so easily to it's so easy to get distracted looking at tiktok for 45 minutes and sort of i talk to students all the time who they just exist in a world of background they're watching a TV show, but not really watching a TV show because they're also looking at stuff on their phone or they're, you know, even in the context of students, like students will write a paragraph of a paper and then play a video game for 15 minutes. And so nobody's really fully engaging in things. And one of the things that I think literature, and I even hate that word because it sounds so scary when students hear it like capital L literature, when really what we're talking about is writing and creative writing. And I think one of the things it can do for people is reading on a basic level is sort of a assertive, almost aggressive thing because you have to sit there and make it happen. It can't ever be just background noise. You have to sit there and read um, and, and to see students writing and reading and help facilitate more students getting exciting about being creative and making something from scratch, making a story or a poem, making a creative piece from scratch. I just think that's an important part of the world we live in 
because activating that sort of creative part of your brain, nothing else can activate that for you except reading and writing and those, those particular activities. So I think you, you may have answered this earlier, but when, when is the publishing date? Like when can people expect to- I'm sorry, I forgot to answer that. The publication is usually, the hard copy of the magazine is usually published sometime in April. So it'll be April of next year. And lastly, we are an entertainment podcast. So our final thing that we like to ask our interviewees and people that come on the pod is, you know, what's your weekly obsession, Ahmad? And I always have one every week. So what's yours? My personal treat is I just finished Midnight Mass on Netflix um, and is made by Mike Flanagan. And I'm a big fan of his work. He is a director. He made The Haunting of Hill House. And um, he has a, well, I don't want to spoil it, but he has a sort of short uh, six or seven episode horror thing on Netflix called Midnight Mass right now that I really, that I sort of binged through. And I have been reading a novel um, by a Mississippi writer named Lee Durkee, and it is called The Last Taxi Driver. And I've really been enjoying it. So I've got my like high culture novel that I'm reading and my silly TV show that I'm also enjoying. Mod, what would you say your your weekly obsession is? My weekly obsession is kind of funny. I can't believe that I've made it this long without having brought this up. But Carlos Santana, uh, I've <laughs> I've for probably like the last couple of months, I've slowly been making my way through his memoir. And my rule is that like when I'm when I'm reading it, I can only listen to Carlos Santana and like Carlos Santana adjacent things. Uh, so like if he talks about an album in the book, I'll go listen to that album while I'm listening, while I'm reading. And yeah, I just, I love Carlos Santana. I've probably heard every single one of his albums by now, now that I've been reading this book that I'm like just barely halfway through. What about you, Kyle? Uh, so when I was younger, there was this book called Killer Pizza. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or ever, like, okay. Oh, yeah. So I thought that I made it, like, I thought it was a fever dream because it was so good to me as a child. It's about, like, these, like, teenagers that end up working at a pizza shop that, like, is a, like, a cover-up for a monster hunting organization. And I was like, I've made that up. It's just a dream. And then I Googled it, and I found that book and the second book, because it's just a two-book series, at Second and Charles over the weekend. But yeah, and I'm also really getting back into reading. Like I put a lot of stuff down and, you know, when you're like an avid reader, you have a pile of books that you're staring at and you're like, God, I have to get to all of those. Like I have to get to all of those. Also, another, another, another obsession of mine this week is Rainbow Rowell, the woman who wrote Eleanor and Park. Such a great writer. And so there's this series she wrote called Fangirl, which is about someone who writes fan fiction about an off-brand Harry Potter. So then she took that off-brand Harry Potter and made it a whole like three book series. And it's really fun and really interesting. The first book in that series is called Carry On. And I highly recommend it because she's a phenomenal and talented writer. Awesome, I'll have to check it out. Thank you so much for joining us this week, Professor Solons. Do you have anything you'd like to say before we wrap up or anything you wanna plug, anything that's like pro you that you wanna let the universe know about? I just want to thank you all for having me. And again, if any students want to submit work or be a part of making the magazine, please just be in touch with me at jsellens at highlands.edu. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been Sights and Sounds, your bi-weekly dive into all things entertainment. Again, I'm Calvin. And I'm Ahmad. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Sights and Sounds. Me and Ahmad had a great time making it for you, and we hope you have a great time listening to it and enjoying it. But before we go, I just wanted to remind you that this episode is brought to you by our very own GHC Student Support Services. And in case you weren't already aware, they provide free academic career and personal counseling. You know, I, I find it really hard sometimes when I'm struggling with personal issues that just really get me down. And if you look on your student portal, there's this thing called Thrive at GHC, which is new to us. And it's something that provides mental counseling that a lot of people could really use, especially in the time of pandemic when, you know, depression's high, other things are high, or there's something going on that you don't know about. And that you can't really figure out within yourself. They're really great at helping you out with that. So I really recommend that you give it a chance. Thanks so much guys and have a great one.